They say you can find anything in New York, but the fact that it's 2019 and there's still not a free Monistat delivery service here is a sexist crime. If I still have to waddle to Walgreens before a potluck and shell out 20 of my hard-earned dollars to nuke myself, how innovative can New York really be? I made my case for a free Monistat delivery by drone service to Alana, Byron, and Mars over a Sunday Game of Thrones-themed potluck hosted by our straight couple friends, David and Ashley. Well, maybe theme is too strong of a word. Alana had put on a gorgeous Daenerys wig, long and bleach blonde, but no one else was dressed up. It was also a vegan potluck, so there was none of the rugged meat-eater vibes present at every Thrones feast. The most on-point thing of the potluck was the wine that Mars had brought, crimson bottles on bottles. Season 2 played in the background of David's TV, but the dialogue was barely audible over everyone's voices. Did y'all know Amelia Clark had a brain aneurysm between seasons one and two? Oh my god, really? Yeah, there was another clot or whatever and she thought she was gonna die, but she kept filming anyway, even though she was confused and anxious the whole time. Honestly, if I thought I was gonna die and I was already rich, the last thing I would do is keep on working. That's actress for you, though. She was living her dream and didn't want to stop. Wow, now I feel bad for making fun of her season two acting. If you guys thought you were going to die and you were rich, what would you do with your last days? Ooh, I'd go to Paris. Or, mm, actually like a cruise in the tropics with a bunch of exotic dancers. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. Well, what do you think we would do? Mm, maybe just hang out right here. I love not leaving our apartment. What about you, Byron? God, I don't know. Even that question makes me anxious. I think I'd just fly around, seeing everyone I love and treating them to stuff. Aw, oh, that's the cutest one so far. Honestly, I'd probably fly out to see Alex and it would be a total disaster and then I'd die. Wait, wait. Alex? I thought you were seeing Harry. I, I am. You're right. But just like, you know, knowing my sentimental ass, I'd probably do something dumb like spending my last days with the next. Wait, Alf, what's your answer? I don't know. You're the one who asked the question. Doesn't mean I know the answer. I don't know. I probably do either what Mars said or like fly all my friends and family out to a big house in woods with a beach in like California or something. Hmm. That would mean that Jane would meet your mom. Hmm. Never mind then. Hmm. I'm not ready for that. I haven't brought a girl home since college. I think I'd hang out with my parents and my grandmas and my theas, and then I'd hang out with my friends, and then I would take Jane to Hawaii and have sex with her on the beach, and then I'd wrap it all up by assassinating Jeff Bezos and redistributing all his money. You know what? I think that's going to be my answer, too. You'd have sex with Jane on the beach? Not what I meant. I would join your assassination squad. We could wear matching jumpsuits. Oh my god, that sounds so hot. But then if you didn't die, like Amelia Clark didn't die, you'd go to jail. Hmm. Damn. Got me. I kept drinking more of that wine, getting quieter and quieter as I drank. I needed energy to get all the way back to my place from David and Ashley's apartment in the village. Who even lives in the village anymore? Straight programmers, I guess. I got home entirely too late and crashed dreamlessly. I rolled out of bed late, hungover. I opened a text window to my supervisor. Is it okay if I start in the field today? In the field. What a weird social worky way to say that I'm going to work outside with some clients where no one's going to notice if I'm a little bit late and a tiny bit hungover. I get the all clear when I'm waiting to transfer from the F to the BD and run into the bougiest Starbucks I've ever seen for a hangover curing almond milk chai, blending in with a crowd of NYU students. A few of my clients live near NYU, and when I say live, I mean live. 
My clients panhandle to the students, who are all paying over $80,000 a year to ride their motorized skateboards past the poverty. I nearly collide with one, and he insults me under his breath. I want to say something to him, like who does he think he is? But my mouth never reacts in time when I really need it to, and by the time I started talking, the boy was across the street. My client Bill waved to me, and I could see an open sore on his wrist, which he always insists he does not need medical attention for. My coworker's client, May, sat next to him, smoking a cigarette. Hey, Abby. Got a place for me yet? May, look, this is my case manager. I know, dude. Hey, Bill. Hey, May. I'm still working on it, Bill. You sure you can't do dorm style, right? The wait's a lot longer for the single rooms. No, not me. I can't sleep like that, man. I spent a lot of time in prison, and it just reminds me too much. I know, Bill. Just checking. If I bring the nurse by, will you let her just look at your wrist real quick? I fucking told you, it's fine. Hey, I got a joke for you. Why do nurses bring red markers to work? In case they have to draw blood. Shut the fuck up, you clown. Any word on a room for me? I'm not sure. I'd have to ask your case manager, but I know we don't have any single rooms for women right now. That's bullshit. I don't want to die out here. Yeah, I know. I'm really sorry. It sucks. It's going to rain later today. Are y'all going to go inside? I'll be by later this week. Yeah, thanks for stopping by, sweetie. Don't work too hard and put on a hat. I will. I'll see y'all later. Just a few streets south, Byron was in a slightly less bougie Starbucks writing a piece for yet another up-and-coming community magazine art-slash-music-magazine-slash-blog-slash-meme page. They wondered if the prompt payment of the writers was going to be part of the community-building ethos. The piece was about the new Whitney Biennial promoting younger artists while a prominent board member sells tear gas to cops in his day job. Byron felt stuck, staring at the blinking cursor. Would they actually get a press pass to the biennial? Would Harry come? Would he show up in a suit and give Byron flowers? Byron shook himself. Gotta get to work. They needed another 500 words. Where could they fill in with more adjectives? They texted Alana. What's a better way to say the art world is trash? Trash can emoji. I don't know. No ethical consumption under capitalism. Speaking of consumption, how was dinner with Harry the other day? Kissy face emoji. Salsa dancer emoji. Eggplant emoji. Sparkly heart emoji. It was good. It was really cute. Ooh, tell me more. He's just so great. I love his smile and his eyes, and he's so nice. Alana sent back a series of gifts. Tina from Bob's Burgers dancing, Fran Drescher shaking her sequin-covered butt. Byron thought about the butterflies in their stomach and elbows. They dated a fair amount of people and gotten their heart broken too many times in a series of absurdly awful ways. Maybe Harry would drop them, block them, with no explanation. Maybe Harry would end up sleeping with their cousin, like Byron's first boyfriend did. Maybe Harry would tell them they were through with experimenting, like their second boyfriend did. And maybe Harry would get fucking abducted by aliens. There was no way to know. Byron tried to get back to work. This is not what they imagined when they wanted to be a New York art writer. Staring at screens in coffee shops, writing articles that maybe a hundred people would read if they were lucky, making which famous contemporary gallery matches your sun sign memes, hoping to get picked up by more mainstream magazines, places that would maybe pay them for their words. They wanted to be writing about art that inspires, but they kept getting stuck writing about how the art world is thoroughly uninspiring. They heard Alana's voice in their head. 
Late-stage capitalism is a bitch. Byron settled for adding adjectives and adverbs to nearly every clause before giving it a once-over and setting it in for editing. Let the editors count the words if it mattered so much. When Byron was texting Alana, she was in the middle of dog-walking. She was walking two matching terriers, one in a baby pink sweater and the other in a baby blue. They were cute terriers, to be sure, but Alana found herself bored, calculating exactly how many cartons of vegan Chinese food she could buy with the money from this dog walk. Two and a half. Not enough to be sure. She wrapped up the walk and let herself into the terrier's apartment, a high-rise in downtown Brooklyn. The building was one of those brand new ones with a gym and high-tech mail room and a concierge on the ground floor. Supportive housing for rich people. Alana felt a wicked mood bubbling through her boredom. She got out her phone, scrolled to August, and texted. Are you at lunch? I could be. Alana smiled and hit the video button. She hoped these people didn't have any nanny cams so that they couldn't see that she was chilling in their apartment, but she also didn't care too much. Hey, let me just get outside real quick. Alana watched as August's office rushed past his face. Okay. Hey, cutie. Hey. Check out this fancy-ass apartment. Like, look at this view, and look at these cute little puppies. What are their names? Um, I think this one's Pistachio and that one's Almond, or it might be the other way around. I don't think it's that relevant at this point. Let me see the bedroom. Ooh, you're being bad. Well, here's the bed. The sheets are super soft, kind of like my skin. And look at how big this bathroom is. I didn't know people had bathtubs like this in New York. And a bidet. I love a good bidet. <laughs> I, I bet you do. While Alana and August were getting increasingly dirty in a stranger's bathroom, Mars was scrubbing her hands clean in her work bathroom. Her pen had exploded right in the middle of a sketch his boss wanted finished yesterday. So he felt anxiety building and somebody started pounding on the door. There was only one family bathroom in the building and Z had been in it for far too long. Your boss would be looking for her soon. Z left the bathroom, avoiding eye contact with the cis dude who'd been banging on the door. Brian. He did good work, but dressed like a frat bro and talked like one too. It might have been funny when he was younger, but these days he just seemed tragic. God knows how he landed in New York City fashion job. He was probably after the single restroom because he ordered too much white sauce on his euro for lunch and needed to take a shit. Mars made her way back to her desk and got a new sheet of paper, tracing the outlines of a new sweatshirt the brand was trying to launch. At the same time, Z pulled up a flyer he was supposed to edit and worked with one hand drawing and another hand typing. It was this ability to focus on multiple things at once that made Mars so good at her job and set Z apart from the flocks of millennial industry job seekers. Mars let her mind go to that place of seamless productivity and didn't notice at first when her phone lit up next to her. Unused to being ignored, her phone charmed a reminder five minutes later. Mars looked down and her stomach leaped. A text from Maya. Mars was still bugged about how Maya had so confidently walked up to Thorn and joked about Thorn's hotness. Mars reminded herself that the encounter had turned out fine, though Thorn had seemed unnerved. But how was Maya supposed to know about Thorn's discomfort with the whole situation? And Thorn had even denied that meeting Maya had upset him. So what was the big deal? Mars opened the text. Hey cutie, how's it going? It's okay, just working. What's up with you? My plans fell through for tonight and I can't stop thinking about you. Mars felt her heartbeat pounding and couldn't help but remember the feeling of Maya's body on hers. Yeah? Yeah. Want to come over after work? Two heart eye emojis. Yeah. Somewhere in the back of your head, Mars thought about texting Thorn about it, but never actually typed out a text. 
Z spent the rest of the day working as fast as possible. Well, in the back of your mind, Z replayed dancing with Maya, going home with Maya, sleeping with Maya. Soon, Z found yourself at Maya's doorstep. Hey, glad you're here. Want a beer? Um, not really. Yeah, me neither. The next few days passed in a blur of work and Jane and reading. On Thursday, Mars, Alana, Byron, and I had agreed to go gallery hopping around the LES galleries, though each gallery was so crowded we could barely see the art. It was more like free drink scoring and insta-famous queer spotting, which was most of the reason we were there anyway. We had declared it no partner night, which in retrospect was kind of ridiculous. I could tell that everyone was thinking about their people in the back of their heads, like everyone does when they're first infatuated with someone, myself included. Every single naked portrait made me think of Jane. It seemed weird that we were all standing around photos and paintings inspired by sex, but ignoring the topic. Mars, how are things going with Thorn? Good. Okay. Well, actually, I'm kind of nervous. So not good at all then? Yeah, I don't know. I went over to Maya's yesterday without checking in with him first. Wait, so you have to check in with him every time you want to sleep with someone? I mean, that's kind of what we set up. Hmm. I had a rule like that with a partner when we first opened the relationship up and it did not go well. No? Well, I just don't like the idea of having to get approval from someone when I'm kind of swept up, you know? But then I also had a relationship where we made a rule not to tell each other when we slept with other people, which also got weird. I don't know. I think it feels best to me to be honest, but not like make immediate disclosure a requirement. I don't know. That's just me. I don't get how you both do it. Non-monogamy is just not for me. I've tried it before, and I'm always the one sitting at home while the boy is out with other people and feeling like shit. I feel you, hun. But then I'm also, like, very into being a slut and exploring other people and ways of being. Right. Like, both things can be true. But I get that it's not for everyone. Like, monogamy is not for me. I tried it, and I get jealous and weird, and I don't agree with it on philosophical grounds. Have you been sleeping with anyone besides Jane? No, not lately. I don't have a lot of spare time now that I'm seeing her so much, and I don't really feel the need to, but if I wanted to, I would. So, what you're saying is, you don't even want to hoe no more. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, I always want to keep the door open to unexpected people. I'm the kind of person who can just get totally swept up in someone new. I totally feel that. I feel like I can't control myself around Maya. She's so magnetic. Hey, come look at this one. We gathered around a vaporwave-ish collaged android woman, pasted to the wall life-size and surrounded by neon light. I thought about this abstract android. Was her femininity her choice? Was it thrust upon her? She was certainly performing it better than I ever had. I looked at Mars out of the corner of my eye, who still seemed to be thinking about Thorn. She's hot. Talk about magnetic. Literally. Byron snapped photos of the art but also of the crowd, trying to spot the Instagrammers who all seemed their age or younger, but were already writing for the New Yorker, High Fructose, Cake. They were wearing slightly nicer sneakers and perfectly messy hairdos. How do they do it? Rich parents. They snapped a quick one of Alana, who posed with her hands on her hip. In the blurry portrait mode background, Mars and I stood close, talking quietly about non-monogamous heartbreak. Alana demanded to see the photo instantly. Send that to me? Oh, God. Yeah, you do. We all do. We all snapped a group shot, all of us holding our free shitty beers. I reminded myself that just two short years ago, I had been a friendless, landlocked Midwestern queer. Now, I had the capital F, capital G, friend group. 
Y'all, I can't wait to go to Miami next week. Yes, I'm so tired of this slushy weather. We'll go to the beach, we'll go out, we'll go to Gramps, Lincoln Brewing Company, Palace. It's going to be so wonderful. As long as we don't spend too much money on dancing and drinks. Get hair to bankroll you. Not that kind of relationship. Fine, we'll do it on the cheap cheap. Byron woke up with their face buried in Harry's back. He'd come over late last night, after the gallery walk, and they'd stayed up late talking and kissing and talking more. Harry had Fridays off, but worked most Saturdays. Not wanting to disturb him, Byron quietly slid out of bed and grabbed their laptop. They set their laptop up in the kitchen and plugged in headphones. About an hour or so later, Harry emerged from their bedroom, still shirtless. Byron took out their headphones and smiled. Harry didn't return their smile and held out a sheet of paper. Byron's stomach dropped. What's this? Where did you find that? Byron hated how accusatory their voice sounded. On your desk, Jesus. It wasn't going through your stuff, it was literally right there. Who's Alex, your ex? Yeah, but... Your ex that you're clearly not I am over him, I'm with you. You're not. If you were, you wouldn't have this. My therapist told me to write it, I'm not gonna send it. That kind of seems worse. I don't know, it's weird. Okay, I get your frustration, but I think it's pretty normal to have lingering rejection feelings after a breakup. I write to deal with stuff. I'm a writer. It's what I do. It doesn't mean I don't want to be with you. I really like being with you. Harry disappeared into the bedroom and returned with his shirt on and his wallet and phone in his hands. Please don't leave. I'm gonna go. I feel like I'll say something I won't mean if I stick around. When can we talk? You're going to Miami next week, right? Let's talk when you get back. Is there anything I can do or say right now? Let's just talk then. I care about you. <sighs> Me too. Harry left and Byron felt sick. They opened their journal to write and then closed it. They opened a text to Mars and then closed it. They lay back down on their bed and prayed to sleep the day away. Byron didn't know it, but up in Harlem at Thorne's place, Mars and Thorne were fighting too. You fucking slept with her again. You're serious without telling me. I know. I'm sorry. I broke our agreement. No fucking shit you did. How many times you fucked her? Seriously, Whoa. tell me, tell me. Hey, I told you. Just the once, and I'm really sorry. But I don't appreciate the way you're talking to me right now. You know what I don't appreciate? The way you're treating me right now. And how am I supposed to trust you? Answer. <sighs> sorry, I get it. I really only did sleep with her the one time. Fine, whatever. One time. Guess, yeah, whatever. Whatever? Are you 13? Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you what I'm not. What? What am I? You know what, you're... You know, never fucking mind. I'm gonna get really upset and say something. No, say it. No, go. Say it. You know what, leave. It'll be best for us if you leave. Fine, you know... I have work to do anyway. For a second, Mars was sure that Thorne would reach out, take your arm, tell her it was gonna be okay. Or at least ask her to stay and talk it out. But instead... Go. You know, we'll talk about it. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Fine, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Mars tried to keep in here tears until Z got out into the street. One of the best and worst things about New York is you can be sobbing in broad daylight and no one will give a shit. Z opened a text to Alana and then closed it. Z walked into the nearest cafe and opened her laptop. So much for working from home. Later that evening, Alana was heading to her Friday evening date with August. Were they seeing too much of each other? Was she falling for him too fast? How did he feel about her? Should she ask? How can you ask that in, like, a sexy way? They were meeting up for drinks at a typical Bushwick queer bar. 
Alana knew it would be packed with college-age youngsters hopped up on Red Bull Spike drinks at 7 p.m. Alana felt old and out of place and reminded herself to calm down. The only person who would matter at the bar was August. She hoped he was going to buy the drinks. She had been skipping her dog walks and was pretty much broke, not that she would tell him that. Hey, babe. Hey, hon. You look nice. You too. How was work? Great. I walked a super fat chihuahua. He just looked like a German sausage with feet. And a Sheltie that I swear to God looked just like Betsy DeVos. She always put too much detail into things when she lied. That's bad for the Sheltie. Well, what are you drinking? Mmm. I think I'm good for now. You sure? It's on me. Hmm. Okay. In that case, a piña colada, por favor. Make that too. So how was your work? Fine. It was boring. I was... I was thinking about you the whole time. Hmm. Is that so? Yeah, I've been thinking about you a lot lately. <laughs> My August. You're making me blush. I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. I like how you're feeling. So? So... So how are you feeling? Oh. Duh. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I like you. Yeah. I'm glad you, um, like me. Yeah. I do. I'm not good with words. Like, um, let's go dance and let me show you how I feel. Her phone pinged. A text from me. Alana opened it, closed it, and grabbed August's hand. Jane and I sat together in a Chinatown bar waiting for my coworkers to arrive. Jane was just stopping through on her way to her evening barista shift in NoHo. I just kind of wanted to check in about us. <sighs> Thank God. I've been waiting to have this conversation, but I just couldn't get up the nerve to start it. I'm having a really good time with you. How are you feeling? All right, so here's the deal. I really, really like you. And I know you're not monogamous, but I think I'm okay with it. Yeah? I mean, I haven't really been seeing anyone else, really. But I want to make sure I don't hurt you. My friend Mars is having an issue because here been hooking up with someone and his partner wants her to tell him any times he sleeps with someone, which like is not working out. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. I'm not sure. So my thing with monogamy is like the way that I feel about someone else does not affect how I feel about you. So if I'm sleeping with someone else, I need you to know that like I really fucking like and value you so much. Okay, I like that. Can you just give me a heads up when you're sleeping with someone new and make sure you use protection, if necessary, just for like safety reasons? Of course. All right, I'm not gonna pretend this is easy for me, but I really wanna try it. It's 2019, you know? I should get with the times. <laughs> I get that, but I don't want you to feel pressured. I don't, don't worry. Would you wanna like maybe be like, I don't know, like official partners? Well, we don't run a law firm. Okay, well. Do you want to be my girlfriend then? Yeah, I do. Do you want to be my they friend? Yeah, I do. Okay, glad we got that settled. I gotta get going to work. Okay, see ya. Part of me worried it was too good to be true. A monogamous person, really chill, dating me? And she's so sure of herself, and I'm so not. Still, I felt the endorphins from having an official girlfriend rolling through my blood. And then I felt anxious again. Do partnerships take energy away from wholesome platonic friendships? Could I have a girlfriend and still be a good socialist? My coworkers filed in and we ordered shots. 
I was getting drunk fast and worrying about how drunk I was getting while ordering more drinks. I can never tell if I have an issue with alcohol or if bars are just built to be intolerable without it. Blaring lights and dissociative music is just horrible when I'm sober. Even the Friday night feeling of everyone being out at the same time makes me feel claustrophobic and bored. I texted Alana and got no response. I hope she was having fun in her date. What if she wasn't? What if she and everyone else like me is pretending to have drunken fun but is secretly anxious and bored? When I first moved here, I got so homesick because everyone seemed so cold and so distant and now I've become the cold and distant one. I hide myself so much in myself, even from Jane. The idea of queer community can only go so far when queer isolation runs deep. Would being with Jane get rid of my feelings of isolation or deepen them? Could I be a socialist without being a socialite? I'm not on anyone's mind at the moment. I'm so free, I'm so alone. My friends are all out of town and my parents are busy backing up my childhood home. The Non-Binary Carrie Bradshaw, Episode 4, Work. Starring Anna Feldman as Alf, Alana Ruiz as Alana, Murkrow as Mars, Grace Joshua Byron as Byron, Alfredo Franco as Thorn, Ali Glimbaki as Jane, Sam Campbell as Maya, Kevin Nichols as August, Taylor Beals as Harry, Tim Cobb as Bill, Hannah Israel as May, Yasmin Cardin as Ashley, and Will Rotterman as David. The non-binary Carrie Bradshaw was created and written by Anna Feldman, Grace Joshua Byron, Murkrow, and Alana Ruiz, directed by Grace Joshua Byron, produced by Grace Joshua Byron and Adam Cecil, editing and sound design by Adam Cecil, logo by Emily Tat, featuring Quarter Life Crisis by Johnny Darlin. Listen to more at johnnydarlin.bandcamp.com or search for Johnny Darlin on Spotify and Apple Music. Find out more about the show at nonbinarycarriebradshaw.com. And if you love it, tell your friends. And if you hate it, tell your enemies. And if it's somewhere in the middle, tell everyone. If you like the non-binary Carrie Bradshaw and own an Apple device, please go and review us on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen to the show there, you can go review us, and it really helps people discover the show. Thank you.